Craig has me wired up. I hope he don't plug it in the 110 back there. I trust him. Good morning. I'm be like Sergeant Bilko. I can't hear you. Good morning. <laughs> That's better. I'm standing up here by myself. That's what the song leader said, and I believe it. No, I'm not. I'm never by myself. This morning, I'll, before I get started, I'd like to share something with you, a true experience, a personal experience that happened to me. Last Sunday when Logan sang Angels Among Us or Angels Around Us, it just brought back memories of something that happened to me about 15 years ago. Each time I run across the word angel or someone speaks it, it's just like this happened yesterday. It's so vivid in my mind, it's just like it happened. About 15 years ago, at the First Free Will Baptist Church, where I was a member for 24 years, worked with a pastor there and seniors and Sunday school and children's church, drove the van. I'm not tooting my horn. I'm just telling, leading up to the story. Bear with me, please. Each Sunday morning when it's my turn to drive the van, I'd go down and I'd open up the church, turn the lights on, activate the PA system, go in and check the sound system, make sure the pulpit mic was on. Then I'd take a walk down to the bottom part of the church and walk through the Sunday school rooms and children's church just making sure everything was okay. I was walking back towards the sanctuary, and the piano started playing. Yes. I said, well, there's nobody up there. I just left it a minute ago. Well, you know, I thought, well, maybe someone's singing today, and they're in practicing the, the song. So I walked back up into the uh, foyer, and sitting on the table was a styrofoam cup with coffee in it. Well, I thought to myself, well, whoever it was had enough respect for God's house to not take food or drinks into the sanctuary. I pushed open one of the swinging doors and walked in the church and sitting up to my left, just like here, there sat a man at the piano, playing the piano. I had good sight. I, I didn't recognize the man. I walked up, come up on the choir loft and walked over to facing him and I introduced myself. He told me his name. He introduced himself, but to this day, I cannot tell you the man's first or last name. But I was talking to him, and he told me, he said, it's a little bit rough at his house last night, and he'd been out walking the streets. And he walked by the church and saw the lights on, so he decided he'd like to come in and just pray and play the piano. So I talked to him. I said, let's go to the altar and have a word of prayer. And we did, and he went back to the piano, and I got right in front of him, was talking to him. And I asked him, I said, i got to drive the van. Would you like to ride with me? And he says, no, Lee, Lee, I prefer to stay here. I'd like to play the piano for service this morning. I said, well, the pastor will be here shortly. Ask him. And so I walked out. Cold chills. Bumps, goose pimple bumps, just went all over me. He called me Lee, which is my older brother who had been deceased for about 12 years. My brother left high school when he graduated in 46, 
and left Dixon County and was living in Rapid City, South Dakota, until he died. And he had, like I say, been dead about 12 years. And he had never been in, in our church. He had never been in Bristol, to my knowledge, except when he enlisted in 46. But this man called me Lee, my brother's name. And it bothered me. I just went on off and went and drove the van, brought the people back to church. And I walked into church, and Pastor Pickle, my pastor, was there, and my brother-in-law, Claude Pennington. And I asked him, I said, well, is there a man here when you got to church this morning? Yeah. Where is he? He went home to change clothes. He's coming back. We have not ran across that man. I've been here 25 years or better since 1986. And yet have I crossed that man. Have I seen him? I don't know who he was. Did I miss? Was there a message in there for me? I don't know. But when he called me by my brother's name, it really did sort of shake me. But I don't know what the man had. If he had a message for me, I missed it. But it brings back every time I hear the word angel. Was this man an angel? I don't know. Only God knows. This man was probably in his late 20s, early 30s, a young man. But he was there. Where he came from, he said he lived on Randolph Street, which is very close to our church. But like I say, I've never seen him since. Maybe when I get to heaven, I'll see him. I hope that's the case. But he never did come back. He did not come back to play for us that day. And like I say, to my knowledge, I have never seen the man again. Was this man telling me something? Was this man an angel? Angels don't run around with wings on their back, as you well know. But anyway... That's my story, and I'll stand behind it. I'll stick with it. But it was a shocking experience, a goose pimple experience, when somebody calls you by a deceased family member that you really know that man has never seen or never met. Anyway, this morning I'll talk to you just a few minutes about God's promises or the promises of God. Turn with me to John. Chapter 14, I'll be quoting or reading. I won't read, I'm sorry. You might as well put a smile on your face because I'm going to put one anyway, okay? How many stayed up last night for the 12 midnight for the ball to fall? Ushers, look at them. Got them? You can, you can snooze during my sermon, but please don't snore. That's all I ask. Do you have John 14? Let's stand in God's honor. Honor God with the message. Now, I'm going to be quoting. Now, I might miss on it, thee or thou, but I cannot. I don't like that word, I cannot. I just can't read, okay? I'll say can't rather than cannot. Let's read. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will return and receive you, that where I am, there you might also be. Let us pray. Father, just ask you, dear God, add your blessings to the reading of the Scriptures. Lord, just take charge of this service and have your way among us today, dear God. And Lord, just continue to bless our church, bless each one of my voice today. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. God's promises. 
I have in my in my notes at the house someplace. If I can, if I know where they're at. I just can't find them. I put something up so I won't forget where I put it. Like Josh and I were talking the other day. I had a, some ribbon candy 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 canes. I put them up, and I put them up so I know where I could find them. Well, we just found them last night. <laughs> I forgot where I put them. But God's promises. There's many of them in the Bible, but one of the notes I did have. I believe I jotted down, there's 3,476 promises, some say. I don't know. I have never counted the promises of God. I know the ones that he made that pertain to me and pertain to you as a Christian. Those are the ones that I'm concerned about, those promises. But there's many promises, and we'll get into it. There's many of them in this passage right here in chapter 14. But let's look at them. Some of the promises were made to the nation of Israel. We cannot claim those. Some were named just to the Jewish people. We're not seeds of Abraham, so we can't claim those. Some promises he made to Abraham, we can't claim those. Those were made to Abraham only. He made Sarah a promise when she's in her 90s, I think about 95 or 96, and promised her a child. And he fulfilled it. She was well past the childbearing age, as you ladies know. He promised Elizabeth a son and said, you shall call him John. He fulfilled that promise. There's many, many promises in the Bible made to different individuals, different nations, different types of individuals. He made a promise to Joshua. I'll go before you. He said, Joshua. Sit right here on this mulberry tree. Do you know what a mulberry tree is? Have you ever tasted a mulberry? They're pretty good eating. He said, sit here on this mulberry tree, and when you hear the rustling in the tree, go. Go on to battle. I will be before you. And he did. He told David that they would not, he would not lose a battle, a fighting battle. And David did not. He was before David all the way. Now, there's promises in the Bible that pertain to believers, you, you, all, any believer. He says, I will never leave nor forsake you. That's a promise that you can take to the bank with you. You can wrap your arms around it. He will never leave nor forsake you. Now, you might step away just a wee bit, but he's still right here. He did not leave. You left. I will never leave nor forsake you. And as he's walking down the seaside on the seashore, Jesus spent quite a bit of time on the water and around the water. In your Bible study, you'll see that. He is walking, and a man named Levi, Matthew, and he says, Come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Now, we cannot claim that promise, even though as a Christian, that is part of our commandment, is to win people to the Lord. In the Great Commission, he said, go ye to all nations, preaching and baptizing them. He didn't say go deacons, go pastors, go preachers. He said, go ye. That includes all Christians. Now, you can, that's yours. That's part of your commission. Go and preach, teach, baptize them. But there's many promises in there that we need to 
practice and fulfill. I did not make any New Year's resolutions for one simple reason. I'm fleshly and I can't keep them. I had Joshua to look up in Webster's Dictionary a couple days ago when I started doing some research on this, the definition of a promise and the definition of a vow. The words can be used interchangeably. But he says in the dictionary that vows were mostly in Christian religious service, like wedding vows and marriage vows. In the Old Testament, you find some have made vows and not to cut the hair. They, they made vows. But the Bible teaches us and tells us it is better not to make a vow than to make a vow and break it. So I'm a little bit skeptical of making a vow or a promise. If I promise you something and I break that promise, you lose confidence in me. If I break it a couple times, you'll probably quit asking me to help you do something for you. So it's best not to make a promise than to make one and not fulfill it. God has never broken a promise. God will never break a promise. Every promise that's listed in the Bible will be fulfilled prior to his return. Every promise, not just one, but all promises will be fulfilled. Let's go back to the John chapter 14. It says, let not your heart be troubled. Don't fret it. Don't worry about it. You believe in God, believe also in me. He said, I and my Father are one. I am in my Father, and my Father's in me. You know the Father. You believe in him. You also believe in me because we're the same person. There's three distinct persons in the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I cannot explain it. I wouldn't even attempt to explain it, how they, how they operate or how, it's, how it works. But we know there are three because when John was baptizing Jesus, when he brought him up out of the water, there's God the Son. The Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove, it said. And there's God the Spirit. And the God in heaven said, this is my beloved Son. Believe in him. This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. There's your three people. I can't explain it. And I don't believe I may be wrong. God forgive me if I am. I don't think as a theologian today would even t attempt to try to explain it. You can't. It's there. I believe it. Why? Because it's in the Bible. Every verse, every word from in the beginning, Genesis 1, to the last word in the book of Revelation, amen, is the inspired word of God. You can't just pull out selective passage and say, I believe that part, but I don't believe this part. No, beloved, you either believe it or you don't believe it. That's biblical. It's all. It's God's word. In my Father's house are many mansions. If you research the word mansion, it's talking about an apartment, a room. There's always room for one more in heaven. So never give up on trying to win that lost soul to the Lord. There's always room for him in heaven. There's always room for one more. He says, if we're not so, I would have told you. I go away to prepare a place for you. 
But we know he went away because in Acts chapter 1, verses 8, 9, and 10, after 40 days walking this earth after his resurrection, he was talking to his disciples, and he just started floating up in the air. And he went out of sight, the clouds hid him. And two men in white apparel, two angels, appeared with them. And they asked, Are you men of Galilee? Why stand you glaring, glaring up in the heavens? This same Jesus is re- will return in a like manner. This same Jesus. There's angels telling us that he's coming back. It's a promise. He's coming back in a like manner. If I go away, I will return and receive you, that where I am, there you may also be. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, breaking in probably about 11 and verse 12, says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, the Lord himself. Jesus is coming back. It tells us in the Bible. I get up this morning. I can say I watched the ball fall at 3. That's when I got up. At about 7.30 in my bed, my living room window, I look over top of the uh, of the uh, church, United Methodist Church, State Street Methodist Church up on West Valley Drive, and this morning there was a red sunrise, like a big rainbow, solid red. And as the sun got up a little bit higher, a little bit higher, the red sky went away. Thank God for another sunrise. Thank God that he's still with us. Thank God he's still watching out after us. But anyway, I shall return, he says, Christ himself, not an archangel, not St. Peter, nor St. John, or Matthew. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven. And the dead in Christ shall do what? Rise first. The Christian people, our loved ones who have died and gone on, those people will come out of the grave. The dead in Christ, the Christians, will rise first. He's coming back. He's coming back after his people. And those of us who remain still alive on this earth, I'd love to be one of them, but let's face it, I'm not looking forward to another 20, 30 years, but if the Lord wants to keep me here that long, I'll serve him as long as I can. But those of us that are remaining we just drop these clothes and just fall off, and we're going to go up to find gravity. We're going up to meet him in the air. And for, at that time, tribulation will begin. There's a promise he gave us, told us, you will not go through the tribulation. There are seven years of turmoil on this earth, at least seven years. And at the end of that seven years, he's coming back. And who's coming back with him? We are. We are. In your Bible study, you'll find many promises that you can pick and pull out of the Bible that pertain to you. Whatever you ask in my Father's name, I will what? I will give it to you. Now, let me assure you, biblically speaking, if you ask for a Cadillac and you need a Ford, it's what you're going to get to Ford. He will provide your every need. 
according to his riches in glory. But those promises in the Bible are there for you and there for me, for the Christians, the born-again believers. There is one promise in the Bible that pertains to the unsaved. One that I know of. Um, that's the only one I was looking for. That's the one that really counts. There's only one that really pertains to the unsaved, a non-believer. And it says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Twenty-five years ago, I was in that whosoever. If you're here today and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you're part of that whosoever. And before we close today, we will give you an opportunity to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. Maybe you're here today and you slacked off a wee bit last year. Maybe you did not spend sufficient time in your prayer closet. Maybe you did not study the Word as you should have. Maybe you didn't give as you should have. Maybe you didn't attend church or God's meetings as called by the pastor. Maybe you've been remiss. Maybe you've been slack. Today is a good day for you to start a new leaf. This is a new year, 2012, the first day of the week, and I couldn't think of a better way to start New Year's than standing here in God's pulpit preaching to you today. I thank Brother Todd for asking me to preach it's a blessing to be able to read the gospel. It's a blessing to call upon the name of Jesus Christ. And it's a blessing to tell you about him, how wonderful he is. Like those angels, they're there. They're, they're among us. They're around about us. They're ministering saints. Will we be angels? I don't know. I can't find the Bible. It will be saints. But one thing for sure, he promised us, I will return. And he will. One day, we know he's seated right now at the right hand of the Father. One day, God the Father is going to turn over to him and say, Son, go get your bride. Go get your church. We're the bride. We're it. That eastern sky is going to open, and he's coming out. He's coming out to the clouds. He's not coming down to earth. He's coming out, and he's going to stop. Like I said, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and those of us who remain shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye and go up to meet him in, in the air, and there we shall be. I will return for you. It's a promise that he has made. All Christians can hang their hat, can wrap their arms around that promise. He is coming back for his children. We are his children. We are his saints. So if you're here today and you don't know him, I plead with you, today will be a perfect day. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. God did not promise us a tomorrow. What is tomorrow when he gets here? It's today, right? He did not promise us another day. This breath... That could be my last breath. He did not promise us a second breath. But he did say, I will never leave nor forsake you. 
And he said, I must go back to heaven. And when I get back there, I'm going to send what down? A comforter. I'm going to send the third person in the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit, your comforter. He's going to come back, and he's going to convict you of your sins. He's going to go back and teach you, and he's going to lead, and he's going to direct your path if you just let him. That is a promise of God. And like I said, I'll repeat it one more time. God has never broken a promise. God will never break a promise. And if you're here today, you need to say, accept that promise that he made to you as an unsaved person. I call you friend because if you're unsaved and you're here for today, you're here for a reason. You want to hear the gospel, the death and the burial and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus. You're here for a reason. And I just pray that today will be the day that you would say, yes, Lord, come into my heart. The Holy Spirit will be there with you. I assure you, if you make one step, he will direct the rest of them. The Bible tells us, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall what? Direct your paths. You will never walk down the aisle by yourself. So keep that in mind, beloved. And again, if you have slacked off this past year, today will be a good day to come down and talk to the Lord. Let's stand. Song leader.